What is up, plant people? Hey, today is a Tuesday, November 17th, 2020, and we're back with another episode of Planthropology. I'm Vikram Baligi, your host and humble guide and friendly neighborhood podcaster in this journey through the lives and careers and ambitions of some really cool plant people to figure out what makes them tick and what keeps them coming back for more. Y'all, I'm so excited about today's episode. I think I always say that, but I always am. I, I love talking to my guests, and I find them to be such fascinating human beings that when I gush about them and I talk about how much I enjoy them and their, their work and their conversations, I really mean it. I just I, I am consistently shocked and amazed by the coolness of cool plant people out there. So my guest today is named Beth Nichols, and uh, she's our first international guest, and I'm really excited about it. And uh, and it, she's just her perspective on academia and, and research and the differences in the way that her program works versus the way that mine did and how we do things in the U.S. is just is really interesting, and it provides fascinating context for plant science and for uh, PhD programs and just academia in general. Uh, from an international standpoint, and I think I think you're really going to enjoy it. A couple of quick housekeeping things first. Uh, if you would like to hang out with us on the interwebs, which I know you would, why wouldn't you? Of course you do. Look us up on all the social media places, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, search for Planthropology. Check out the new cool, really rad logo actually designed by my guest today, Beth Nichols. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bristlecone pine with a green background, and it's so cool. I, I, I can't. It's so cool. So cool. Okay. So uh, a couple of other things. Go check out our podcast partners. All the information about them is in the show notes, but go look up Pecan Ridge, which is the one-stop shop for all things pecan and local goodness. Use the promo code plantpeople at checkout on their online store for 15% off your order. It's great you should do it. Uh, also, check out local OBK. If you are a Lubbock human or a human that ever comes through Lubbock for any reason, or even if you just like supporting cool businesses and cool organizations, check out local LBK for five bucks a month. You get a cool card that gets you discounts and things all over the city of Lubbock from restaurants to movies and everything in between. Not that we're really doing a lot of restaurants and movies and things, or should not that we should be doing a lot of restaurants and movies and things. Lubbock's kind of, kind of, kind of going wild. Kind of, kind of lost its chill. It's all right. We'll we'll get under control. Be okay. Be okay. But check out local OBK. So when it's safe to travel and do things again, come visit us and get a discount on a movie or dinner or some other activity. Uh, also, hey, I have a new podcast. I, yeah, I talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, you you, you want to listen to it, I think. You do. I'm doing this Napod Pomo thing where I post podcast content every day for November, um, and I started a podcast called The Plant Prof. So uh, whereas I try to be somewhat of an adult when I'm talking with my guests here, you just get to hear me in all my unfiltered messy brain glory talking about plants and plant facts and cool plant fact things i think you'll really enjoy it i think you will it's a lot of fun it's been so much fun to make and it would mean a lot if you would go check it out episodes are super short nothing's longer than 10 minutes uh even after november's over and i go to a weekly schedule nothing will ever be longer than 10 or 15 minutes just bite size uh little episodes for your commute or for your lunch break Okay, Beth Nichols, the very soon-to-be doctor, Beth Nichols. She just uh, successfully completed her Viva, which I think I kept calling Viva 
in um, this episode when I was talking to her because I'm an uncultured American. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, pretty much like our uh, doctoral defenses or PhD defenses here in the U.S. We discuss what that looks like and how some of the things um, with that process are the same and how some are dis- different. It was really interesting to me uh, to hear how that process went. But she studied computational plant science, which means she's considerably smarter than I am. And uh, it's really cool just to hear her perspective on that, on plants, on growing up in uh, England, just near London. And uh, I, you know, I feel like I probably asked some dumb questions and I was just so enjoying talking to her. She's really a lovely, lovely human being. She is she is Franz with benefits on Twitter. That's her, her Twitter handle. And I, I just, I cannot get over that. It's so funny. It's so funny. She's got a great blog that goes with it. She does wonderful design work on the side. And I, you know, I think you are really just going to enjoy hearing from Beth. I know I very much enjoyed, uh, talking with her. So settle in, grab a cup of tea and get ready for episode, oh, I don't know, 35-ish? Let's call it 35 of the Planthropology Podcast with the soon-to-be Dr. Beth Nichols. All right, well, we're up and running, and I'm here with uh, Beth Nichols, our first international guest all the way from London. How are you today? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you doing? Good. London, am I wrong? Was I wrong? No, London's fine. Yeah, I'm. Oh. I'm pretty much London at the point okay. at which you get into like suburbs in the UK. Oh it's, yeah, it's it's a faff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're we're gonna say London because all of my Texas listeners are gonna be like, ah, that's close enough. You yeah, know, whatever. <laughs> um. So anyway, thanks for being on with me today. I'm really excited to talk to you. Oh yeah, no, me too. It's good to meet you face to face finally. Yeah, we've been Twitter friends for a little bit. And, uh, it, it's, it's always cool, um, at least for me to form kind of these interesting internet friendships and then actually get to talk to people. So that's, that's always fun. Definitely. Um, so we'll jump right into it. Um, I guess introduce yourself a little bit more. Tell us about, you know, where you grew up, some of your experiences and, and then we'll get into, uh, graduate school and, and everything else in a little bit, but yeah. go ahead and introduce yourself. So... I mean, I'm Beth. Uh, I grew up right here in this house and I have lived here my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. In this one spot. Um, Yeah. And now I uh, have got my PhD viva coming up next week. So I've gone all the way through the schooling system up to PhD. And then who knows what's going to come after that. Okay. (laughs) So... Yeah, and and I said this before we really started, but I appreciate you giving up some time the the week before your presentation. <laughs> uh, I, I did that not too long ago, and I was just a a, a mess of nerves the week. The, how are you feeling? Are you are you excited? Are you confident? Yeah, I'm really excited. Actually, I love talking about my thesis and what I do in terms of like my PhD and my research. So I. I'm just looking forward to an opportunity to boring the ears off of a couple more people for four hours. <laughs> sure. Hey, no, that's great. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so what what got you into plants? How did you get started in the whole like plant world and studying plants and all that? 
Uh, it's really difficult to say. I think I've kind of been like semi indoctrinated by my mom and my nan and my great nan. Like uh, my great grandmother was a botanist, so she kind of instilled that in my nan. And then growing up, I was always out in the garden, gardening with my mum, keeping house plants. Um, but I didn't know that it was what I wanted to do until I went to uni. Because it had been something that I had loved all the way from childhood. And I'd never considered it as a career. And then when I was at uni, I went to this summer school for a week uh, that was just for plant sciences. And I got to meet a load of people and find out all about the different jobs they did in plant science. And I came out of it. I was like, wow, this is really what I want to do. Just I don't know which bit. I love soil. (laughs) I love computing. I love growing. I don't know what I want, but I definitely want to work with plants. So that's awesome. So your your undergraduate degree, what did you what did you major in? What was your focus? It was so we don't really have majors in the UK. It's more just oh, okay. like a general. So I had a general um, biological sciences degree. Okay. You can do like uh, zoology or genetics, something a bit more specific in that way. Um, but then that really steers the way your career is going to go. So I decided to do a general biology degree because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but I definitely did. After that summer school, I took on as many plant courses as I could do at, sort of at the same time. Okay. That's, you know, that's a really interesting um, bit of context because here in the U.S., Gosh, I don't, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this that won't get me in trouble. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> they expect us to like specialize and focus in and it's like, okay, you're going to at 18, 19 years old, pick pick a degree of study that's going to drive the rest of your life and that's what you do and that's where you focus. Yeah. I, I kind of like the idea of having a, a more generalized degree plan and then being able to pick and choose different things that's really Mm. interesting to me yeah so you can what was really good about it was you can go in on um biological sciences stream and then at the end of your first year once you've kind of like tasted all the different areas you can say okay no genetics is what i really like and then you can um focus your studies on genetics or whatever so yeah that is something that i really liked about um doing my degree here yeah well, yeah. yeah, there's there's probably a lot of, <laughs> you know, I, I not never having an international experience in terms of uh, academia. I imagine there's a lot that's different and maybe a lot that's better in the way that it's done <laughs> abroad. You know, I, I don't know. I, I guess there's there's pros and cons to any academic system or any any anything you do. But but that that's pretty interesting. So um, you're just finishing up your uh phd what was your what was your study what did you uh what did you focus on what did you study for my phd um i studied computational plant science which is a bit of a mouthful (laughs) but if we break it down it's just i used computational methods to describe plant behaviors so uh seed dormancy and dispersal were my kind of focus area and i designed computer models that would it's almost like playing The Sims, but with plants. So I could, <laughs> so I could um, change the environment and then see how much dispersal and dormancy uh, occurred, sort of in response to that. Okay, yeah. uh, with with any uh, specific model organism, or just uh, uh, in general across species. 
So the one we started with was a plant called Atheonema arabicum, which is like a little stone cress. It's a little weed that mm-hmm. grows out in like Turkey. And it's not a model organism at the moment, but it's one that the group I was working with is really pushing to become a model organism. So it was cool to be able to add some more data to that so then they can have this full package of, okay, we we want this one to be like the next Arabidopsis. Okay. Yeah. That's really, that's really fascinating. And that that's an interesting thing too. Like I, I've never really thought about how a model organism becomes a model organism. No. <laughs> I, huh. Cause in the sciences there's, you know, there's things that we kind of accept like, okay, this is use Arabidopsis or something else's. Uh, but at some point someone had to decide that that was a good idea, right? Like someone had to say, yeah. this should be what we study. And it's interesting that it is Arabidopsis. And I think it is because it's small, it's easy to keep, and it's got a lot of interesting features. But it's interesting that Arabidopsis is the one thing that people kind of focus on as a plant model organism. When you compare that to the breadth of plants (laughs) that exist. So, yeah, it was nice to be able to try and like find another, like a substitute that did something different that we also needed to study. Yeah, I mean, it's the I, I don't know that there's any like uh, C. Elegans level controversy about Arabidopsis, but <laughs> yeah, you're, you're and if you don't know what we're talking about out there listening, just I'll, I'll put a link to just some silliness about flatworms, brownworms, mm. worms. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Who knows? That's out. That is outside of my thing. Oh, we're gonna uh, get in more trouble for saying that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not even scared. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the Twitter mob can come after me next. That's fine. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of – there's a couple of ways that as I was thinking about this interview how um, I wanted to approach it. But one of the things that I, I really think would be interesting for um, my listeners to hear, we actually have a very global listener base. Uh, and, you know, y- you coming up on the end of your program, I would love to hear a little bit about – how the process works through your, you know, your, your presentation and your, your Viva that's coming up next week through, I guess, the end of your program. What does that look like? I, I imagine there's some similarity, uh, similarities across the board, but uh, so, so starting with, you know, next week when you go in and start giving your presentation, what, is, what does the rest of your process look like? Well, I'm not entirely sure, <laughs> but I will do my best. <laughs> so I have my Viva coming up. Uh, at that, they have one of four options that they give as sort of their their decision, which will either be that I get my PhD just straight out. Mm-hmm. I will be awarded it if I give some minor changes. I get an MPhil, so a Master's of Philosophy, if they don't think it's enough to fulfill a PhD, and or it's uh, an MPhil if I give some minor changes. So interestingly, it's it's not that you pass or fail. It's either you get a PhD or you've only done enough to fulfill a master's. Huh. Yeah. That's very interesting. Uh, and maybe a little nerve wracking on, on your side. I don't know. Just a uh, little, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure you've done plenty, but... Um... Wow, that's that's very interesting because I think uh, the, the way that we, we typically approach it in the States is that y- you you're pursuing a specific thing, right? So you do your graduate work with the end goal of a master's or a, a doctorate. Yes. And 
uh, some people, so I, I have a master's degree and, and a, a PhD that that's not true in all fields and it's not true of everyone, but, uh, it is more of a pass fail thing. Like, yeah. uh, Oh, sorry. You got to fix all this. Like I had quite a few corrections to make, um, uh, to my document. They said you passed, but you know, conditionally, mm-hmm. um, but typically if we're going to say that it's, that it's, um, we, we can, I guess, drop down to a master's, but that's typically like before the fact and they decide, uh, through the process. That's, that's very interesting. That, that yeah. adds a whole layer of like complexity to the whole thing, I think. Yes. I think we also have that option. So at the end of your first year for your PhD, if you haven't done enough work or they're worried, you're not going to be able to finish a PhD, they will let you finish then and award you a master's if you've done enough in the first year. But it's interesting that that kind of carries forward into your final exam. And I, it, it kind of, it feels like a bit of a fail safe for them. It's like, we don't want you to fail because we have an interesting thing in a lot of UK universities where if too many people are failing a specific course, the course has to go through like an inspection almost. So it's almost like a, we don't want, we're setting up to make sure that people don't fail. So I, I think it's really unlikely that I would end up with an because I also have a master's already. So I would end up with sort of two masters out of this. It's unlikely. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty, uh, that's, that's something I had never heard. And I guess, you know, we tend to put, put our, maybe this is true of academia in general, but we focus in on something and put our blinders on to a certain extent and just kind of to dive into our thing, but that's, that's very interesting. Um, so I, I think you said earlier that you're not really sure what's next. Are there, what, let me, let me ask it this way. What's your dream career? What would you like to do? Oh, I've, every time someone asks me this question, the answer is always to be in a hammock in the Bahamas writing a book. <laughs> that sounds like, <laughs> good to me. I mean, <laughs> that's all I want. Um, yeah, I would love to become a writer. I have a couple of books in mind and I'm currently writing one. So fingers crossed that will be something that can take off. But I also really love science communication because it's still writing, but for a specific purpose. So I'm kind of, um, not that I'm trying to get promotion or anything, but I'm I'm kind of already (laughs) in my dream job a little bit because I I work two days a week as a science communicator um, at the Institute of Cancer Research. Very cool. Yeah. So, th- so that's cool. They actually have a designated science communication position. Yes. Well, not just a position. It's an entire team of people. Wow. So in the communications team, there's sort of policy and engagement who mm-hmm. do all of the government policy bits and then the external outreach. My team is digital. So we run the website and we do all the social media. And then there's another team who does specifically press releases. So any work that the researchers do that gets published as a paper, they're in charge of making sure that sort of like the Independent, the Daily Mail and the BBC know about it in case they want to cover the work. That's that's very interesting. That's actually really cool. And I know, I know we do have some, some things like that um, more through our professional societies and some of the journal societies and things like that. And that's very cool. Uh, it's very new, I think. A lot of places don't seem to have like a committed team for it. It's just that somebody who works in a specific sect is also the person that's in charge of social media. Mm-hmm. But they decided to build this team and 
it's I think partly it's because we're a charity so through that we get to do lots of fundraising and awareness but um yeah no it's really it's nice to be kind of the intersection between the scientists and the general public or the policymakers yeah yeah very cool and you know it's in in my opinion that's a very important um uh position because as scientists um there is not a lot of training in public outreach and communication. And by not a lot, I mean pretty much none at all. No. <laughs> no. And uh, it can be, it, you know, that's something that through this this podcast that I've had the opportunity to work with some of our scientists and some of our faculty here. And and what I've started to see is that it can be really scary, uh, especially for, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't mean to be, I, I don't mean this to sound ageist or anything, but some of the faculty that are not used to um, this type of like social media and virtual communication that I, I would think that you and I grew up with a little bit more. Uh, oh, for that's sure. Such an important role to be able to stand in that gap. Yeah. And it's really interesting. You can really see through um, different ages and people from different backgrounds, they have either a lot of experience with science communication or none at all. And so sometimes we have like workshops or if somebody's been asked to come on TV to talk about their research, we will just say to them, you know, little things like make sure that you mention this, make sure you mention your name and the team and the company that you work for. <laughs> and like, it's just like little things um, or just don't bring up this or try not to be too harsh. Cause I think one of the things that, that I've noticed from um, researchers going on television is that they can go really in on the science really quickly with no background. And the poor interviewers are like trying to piece <laughs> it together on the spot. So, yeah, it's well, and it's easy to get down in the weeds um, um, with some of our science. And I know that it's because a, a lot of researchers spend their entire career learning about one thing, right? Yes. Like, well, let's let's go with Arabidopsis, right? You've got a re an Arabidopsis researcher that has spent twenty years learning everything there is to know about this silly little plant, yeah. and um, <laughs> the Arabidopsis fans are going to come for you now. <laughs> I, you know, again, bring it on. I'm not. Take I'm not on. scared. I'm not scared. Uh, <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is that it can be hard. It can be hard to know what's important sometimes. And, and I don't mean important from a scientific context, but from a public communication uh, context. Like if you're trying to tell the public about a plant or cancer research or whatever, you can throw all kinds of jargon at them and they're just like, okay. Yes. You, you know, I have no idea what you mean. But um, the ability to take that and package it in a way that you're getting the high points and getting the idea without having to know the minutiae of it is is yeah it, it's a learned skill but I think it's also a skill that some people just get some people just understand it yeah definitely I think part of my gift with science communication comes from having a lot of friends who aren't scientists so when they ask me what I do for a living I can't <laughs> just straight out go into the hard computational coding kind of aspect of my job it's very much I model plant behavior on a computer and that's like already the word model might be slightly too much <laughs> but you know you just it's one of those things that's like trial and error if you're gonna be talking about science to our general public 
try it with somebody who isn't a scientist who is in your close circle of friends and just see what they say initially because you'd be surprised which words are the ones that are the ones that people are going to struggle with that is such an excellent idea and such an excellent point um and that comes up in my life because i'll i'll throw plant jargon at people sometimes and I, i i try not to but it is surprising sometimes which words people key key in on as I don't know what that means. I'm like, oh, I, yeah. I thought everyone knew how photosynthesis worked, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, f- funny story, and this is this is an aside. And I think I've I may have told this story on the show before. I don't know. So during my qualifying exams um, for my doctorate, uh, my advisor, I got a question early on that kind of threw me off my game, and I was already kind of on 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 tilt, so to speak. Like I, it rattled me just a little bit. Oh no. (laughs) So he tries to throw this easy, easy question at me. He's like, Oh, you'll, you'll knock this out of the park. That's fine. Great. And he pretty much asked me, how does photosynthesis work? And I could not answer him. It was like, (laughs) my, my brain was just like, no, not today. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was like, what's the difference in metabolism between a, a, a C3 and C4 plant? So it was like, what what is what is the a basic metabolic thing in photosynthesis? And I study water conservation. And that is a major component to that. Yes. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> and then, of course, as soon as I leave the room, my brain's like, here's all the information you needed. Great. <laughs> just like five minutes too late. <laughs> yes, just five minutes too late, and wow. they somehow they passed me. So I guess they were being kind, but but no, it, it it's interesting that some of the things we take for granted as uh, quote unquote common knowledge is, is is really not. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I've done a lot of outreach programs, and it's one of those things that people like to have a little laugh and a giggle with because I'll, I'll open up with something really easy. Like everyone here knows what a daisy is, right? And then people go, oh yeah, of course I know what a daisy is. But then I just, the only reason that I'm, I have this thing about it is I remember going to a school and I had loads of fun experiments to do. And one of them was with different kinds of ants because this was back when I did more sort of general biology. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had these ants and I said, everybody's seen ants, right? You guys have all seen ants before. And this one kid at the back was like, oh, uh, I think I've seen those on TV. And I was absolutely dumbstruck and horrified. But <laughs> but it was just one of those things where I was like, you just cannot take for granted what people do and do not know and what people have come across. You just like, it's just best to be on the safe side. Laugh it off. If everybody's on board, gauge what level everyone's at. But yeah, do not just go straight in because you never know people's experiences. <laughs> and that's and and just from a uh, an educational standpoint, that's such an important thing to remember um, for all of us. For all of us in academia and education, is that gosh, it, it the fastest way to alienate someone is to like talk over their head or just be like, Oh, you know what this is. This is easy when maybe it's not. And so I think that's, that's an important point for us to remember for sure is that gosh, people are at all different levels of education and knowledge about a subject. And um, no, that's, that's really a, a, an important thing to remember. Um, So I I, kind of want to move into 
uh, we talk about Twitter a lot and and outreach through Twitter a lot, but you have a, a very a very good uh, Twitter presence. I've been super impressed with oh, how well you do on Twitter. Thank you so much. <laughs> because I'll be honest, I'm out. I'm throwing darts. I have no idea what I'm doing on Twitter. <laughs> I just go for it and post general silliness. Uh, but but your content is excellent. You stay on brand. You stay on topic, and it, it's really well done. Thank you. And. You say you're throwing darts. I am too. I think we all are in a way. It's just, I think what I realized, so I've only been on Twitter for just over a year now, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think what I found was people like from me, my, I have like a very wholesome and very, um, what's the word? Like delightful kind of, attitude that I, I would think agree yeah that, <laughs> that people really that people are really drawn to and I and so I try and stick with that and every now and again I'll get really in my head and I'm like this isn't what people people want crazy they want wild they want <laughs> ah this is like the most interesting thing you'll ever see da 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 and it's and it can be a little bit overwhelming I think so I think um I've managed to find my niche that is this is just some lovely calming nature <laughs> and the, the more that I stick with that the more people like it um but every now and again I think it's important because if I then go really off brand and do something that's like a little bit more shocking people then also respond to that because they can appreciate that I am human and sometimes you know you you want to have an opinion on something and so it's getting that balance right but yeah no it really it Twitter is a minefield. <laughs> oh man, um, that, that is that is absolutely the truth. But it's such a great tool, um, and, it, mm -hmm. and you 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 know I have found some wonderful people to connect with, like like yourself um, uh, through Twitter that I never would have had the opportunity to speak to. Uh, yes. And it's it's just really cool. There's there's really an interesting science and nature um, uh, group or culture on Twitter that I, I, I really enjoy most days. And some days I'm like, I can't, I can't today. Yeah. I'm going to back off and let Twitter argue for 24 hours and then it'll move on to something else and it'll be fine. Exactly. <laughs> um, so let's, I, I want to talk uh, about your blog a little bit. Okay. Uh, Franz with benefits, That's which it. is <laughs> maybe the most clever like plant title I've ever heard. How, how did this start? How did you come up with this? So, <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah, a couple of months ago, uh, the UK we went down into we went into lockdown for the first time. We're about to go back in on Thursday, but that's a whole oh, wow. that's a whole aside. But yeah, the first time we went into lockdown, I locked down at my sister's place, and um, because she was pregnant and so she was vulnerable so I locked down with her so I could go out and do sort of like the shopping errands and things make sure it's taking care of her mm -hmm. and while I was doing that I was also writing up my thesis and as I was writing up my thesis the way that I kind of like pushed myself to write uh, to read papers to go in it I decided for every paper I read I will let myself draw a plant and so I did this and I started building up these like collages of plants. And then in order to find out, find plants to read about, I would be reading about them on Wikipedia. And then I was like, Oh, this is like kind of interesting. Like I, I should write about this. And so I just asked on Twitter generally, like, would anybody like a 
plant blog where I just tell you some really cool facts that I find. And then I got a really good response to it. So I set up this blog and I had no idea for the title, except um, I was talking to my friend. I remember this conversation with my friend from previously where they'd said, you're so in love with your plants. Like it's kind of weird. And I said (laughs) to them, (laughs) and I said to them in response, I guess you could say we're fronds with benefits. And it was one of those moments. (laughs) It was one of those moments where I was like, I need to do something with that. (laughs) So then when I started the blog, I was like, this is perfect. No, that is gold. I mean, it's solid gold. That's because the first I, I think the first time I found your profile, well, honestly, quite honestly, the reason I think I followed you is because I read this and I was like, OK, I mean, come on, that's, that's great. Yeah. That's great. And uh, so what kind of what kind of stuff do you talk about on your blog? Is it uh, just you said it's just kind of your plant thoughts and cool plant information. Um, what where do you want to go with it? Is it just going to is it like. Okay, let me back up. Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, I got down in the weeds on that one again. Um, <laughs> so uh, are you doing this more as um, just like a creative outlet for yourself? Is it just something to uh, maybe take your mind off of school and everything else? Yeah, definitely. It's it, That's definitely how it started, just being like, I'm in the middle of writing my thesis, so well, I should be writing this. I'm going to write something else. <laughs> oh, I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I started a freaking podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's absolutely how it started. And now it's kind of turned into, I really like educating people and talking to people about plants and people have started requesting specific things. And then I already had a YouTube channel that wasn't really doing anything but I was, I enjoy making videos and I enjoy talking to people about things. And so then I tried to sort of like morph the two, but it, it wasn't really working. Um, and then recently what I found was people really like learning about plants if they can relate to it in some way. So I've started my sort of plant science in series where I look at plant science specifically in a topic like Pokemon or plants in The Legend of Zelda. And then people already know about that particular aspect. So when I then introduce them to the plants, it's not completely alien to them. That's awesome. That's and and I actually hadn't discovered your your YouTube channel, but yeah, I just pulled it up and you've got a lot of cool stuff. I know what I'm gonna probably spend the rest of my day doing. (laughs) Um but that's that's such a good way to approach it and and using pop popular culture and using uh again a, a sort of a touchstone and a a relational point with people to to educate is is such a wonderful um a, such a wonderful technique and it's a great way to open the door to science definitely and the idea for that actually came about because um I actually used to be a biology teacher so before I was a phd student I taught biology at secondary school and I had this one class who would come in after PE and they were so energized and they were so just all over the place I could not get them to focus but it was a group of boys and they were all obsessed with Pokemon Go at the time so I said I have to really take advantage of this so what I would do was when they came in I'd have a slide up on the screen that was what Pokemon what plant is this Pokemon based off of And they would, or what animal is this Pokemon based off of? And they would then have to 
look at it, analyze it, and then within five minutes, I'd just get them to stop. And they would have been having their conversation about PE or whatever had swapped to classifying whatever was on the screen. And it started off like a little bit of fun, but we kept doing it because actually I could hear them when I was sort of unpacking my bags, they were saying things like, well, it's got roots though. So I guess it's probably a plant, but that bit at the top looks more like a bird, like it's a bit beakish. And so then they were really like trying to go in on the classification on, is this a mammal? Is this a bird? And that was part of their curriculum. So I was just like, this is doing itself. I don't even need to teach you guys the animal kingdom now. <laughs> well, that's so great. Yeah. That's so great. Again, such a wonderful tool. And, and, uh, Teaching at that level, I'm I'm sure is I've never done it, but I'm sure is challenging. Mm-hmm. I, I teach I teach college students, which is its own challenge set of challenges, <laughs> its own uh, adventure. But you know, I may have to try that, and and because I, I bet I bet college freshmen would love that just as much as as secondary students or anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things that you you go you go through a period between about sixteen and eighteen where anything that's a bit more kind of geared towards children is silly and childish and like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of come out the other side and it's like, okay, no, that is actually really cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, you know, and it's, it's funny cause the, it's funny you say that because the older I get, I'm, I'm in my early thirties now and I'm like, you know what? I unapologetically love all that nerdy stuff that I grew up with again. And yes. that, that for a while I was like, no, I can't, I can't do that. I'm, I'm an adult. I wasn't at all. I'm still yeah. not really. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I still really keep waiting for the day that I feel like an adult. And mm. part of me hopes it never comes in all, in all honesty. I kind of like the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm only 33. Yeah. I'm still young. I hope that that sticks with me uh, <laughs> for the rest of my life. I'm planning on being fully. I met this lady once who um, she asked me what I wanted to do. And I, you know, when I grew up or whatever. And I said, Oh, I have no idea. And I was like trying to give her some answers. And she was like, no, the, the only answer to that is the older you get, you still have to say, I don't know, I'll work out when I'm older. And she was just, you know, 80 years old and just saying, I don't, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And that was it. Like, that's absolutely the attitude that I want forever. That, no, <laughs> I'll that's figure wonderful. it out when I'm older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. I mean, you know, we, we live lives, we should live lives of discovery and, uh, um, always be willing to, I I think, evolve and grow and change. And, um, every day is a lesson. Yeah. That's yeah. That, that, I really like that a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, maybe, maybe it's just a a good way for me to justify never really growing up, but I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll take it and run (laughs) with that. Uh, one more thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, so you recently, and, and so this episode is coming out on, oh, sometime, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) November 17th. So here in a couple, a couple of weeks. And so, uh, by then we'll have just had our first birthday or whatever of the show and at yes. this point i will have already unveiled the uh, new logo and design work that you did for me i'm so excited which by the way thank you so much for that i i really love it i you were wonderful to work with i really enjoyed that oh, i'm so happy to hear that yeah it was so fun to do it because you gave me such creative freedom but you already had a bit of an idea so it was just like making someone's kind of dreams happen which was just really wonderful yeah, no, I, I'm really happy uh, with, with how it turned out. Has Have you always been an artist? Has that always been something you've done? 
yeah i've ever since i can remember i don't know if you guys get blue peter in america i i don't think so okay <laughs> i just have to i just have to check no, so we sure. have we have this thing um in the uk called blue peter and it's a children's program and every week they have on some kind of craft that you can do and they'll tell you the week before what you'll need for your craft and I used to sit in front of that and do that or do the drawing or whatever it was and it was like my favorite part of the week was just that hour sitting down like following whatever was happening on Blue Peter and that has just carried on through my whole life and now I'm in a position where I get to do that in part for my blog and also for designing logos and hopefully selling some art soon so you know the shop I'm trying to open a shop but watch this space I guess <laughs> I'm trying to also run a YouTube and a blog and have a full-time job so <laughs> you, you have a lot going on I, I is it too much probably <laughs> uh, you know what's too much I don't I I'm I'm kind of the same way where I I like to diversify my life and have uh uh, lots of creative outlets and lots of that. I have, I have this nasty habit as well of uh, maybe turning my creative outlets into side businesses and things like yes. that. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, but, but you know, it, it's one of those things that if it's something you're good at, I, I think that in today's world for better or worse, we all have to find other ways to, to make money and do things like that. And so having like little side side gigs that give you a little bit of extra money is always, always great. Yeah. Uh, and if you can have fun doing it at the same time, you know, this is it. That's this the is way it. to go. Having fun while making money is the best way to make money. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely right. I, I do some woodworking and uh, a few other things. And I, I, Oh, I saw again, your resin pool. That looks so fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it is fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Thanks. Uh, but no, I, Every time I pick up a new hobby, my wife is always like, okay, how long before you start another business? I'm like, it's no, not this time. And then, you know, she's, she's obviously always right, but it's like not a phase mom. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if that phrase was a person, it would be, it would be me. Um, so I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think if, if there's, there's other things that, I think we've hit a lot of the, the, you do a lot of cool stuff, like a lot of cool Thanks. stuff. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess, so the question I always um, sort of end these episodes with, um, because I, I, my guests represent such a diverse, I, I guess, array of life experiences and things, is if you could leave listeners with a piece of advice, and it can be about, <laughs> and no I try pressure. to blind. It, it's lots of fun to blindside people with this. Oh, no. Fun for me. It's fun for me anyway. Yeah. Um. Um. It, and it can be about really anything: school or or uh, careers or or art or just life in general. Mm -hmm. Um. What What do you think that would be? What What do you think that you would like folks to take away with them? Uh, gosh. Um. Okay. Uh, to quote my mom, because she's probably the smartest person I know. If something doesn't work out, it's not your path. And there are other things waiting for you. So just have fun with whatever you do. Make the most of every opportunity. Grab every opportunity with both hands. But if it isn't the one, there will be something better or just different waiting for you down another avenue. Uh, 
that yeah that's wonderful yeah <laughs> that is that is very those are very wide wise words she is a wise lady <laughs> <laughs> so so beth where all can we find you uh i know you're you know we talked about your twitter and stuff but but uh go ahead and run us through the your your list of things oh my goodness so uh i guess everything's kind of culminated on my blog fronts with blog. but then if you want to find me on twitter i'm at fronts benefits on Facebook, we also have a Friends with Benefits Facebook page. Uh, the Instagram, maybe not so much, but if you want to <laughs> see more of me and my writing and my art specifically, I actually have my own Instagram, which is at Bethany Scrolls. So, uh, yeah, I think that's. Oh, and also my YouTube, which is Friends with Benefits too. Where okay. I'm actually going to be, yeah, I live stream once a week. So that's when you get to like actually interact with me. That's very cool. Oh, oh, I just remembered something I wanted to ask you about. Uh, yes. And it, but just leave it in right where it is. Okay. Um, so you recently just did a, uh, it, it looked like a, just a tour of really cool places, like a, like a little vacation. Yeah. Uh, what I, I was, you know, sitting in my house during quarantine or sitting alone in this greenhouse and kind of living vicariously through all your pictures. What, um, uh, what, what all places did you visit? So many. The w- wonderful thing about being on such a small island is that you can visit just the widest range of places within about an hour. So I have always wanted to go on a road trip by myself. So I just decided to do it because we were on lockdown. Well, this is post lockdown. We're, we're able to visit places as long as we sort of socially distance. Mm-hmm. So I was just driving around, staying at places for a day, just picking them, whatever sounded good, whatever sounded cool. And a lot of them were things like um, kind of quintessential English villages. So with like little duck houses and um, old churches and lots of rivers I've visited. I just, I love a good river. Yeah, no, it was really cool. It got cut short because I got offered a job. So I have oh, only okay. done sort of um, London down to Kent and then down the bottom of the down the bottom of England to Cornwall and then up the west side, sort of hugging Wales all the way up to Liverpool. And then I had to come back down to London. So I will be doing sort of Newcastle and up towards Cumbria at a later date whenever um, lockdown two <laughs> ends. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. That that's that's so cool that. Okay. So I, I live in Texas in the U.S. Which sounds the, huge, by the it's way. <laughs> a, it, it's about the size of Western Western Europe. Oh my! Like if God. you overlay Texas over Western Europe, it's yeah. about the same size. So you know we can drive at a hundred kilometers per hour. You know on on the highways here or more and. It still takes me. So, so there, the the city I live in, there's about three hundred thousand people here, and the next big, closest, like large city is a six hour drive away, five wow. six hour drive, and that's not even that far no. in Texas. So it's a big state, and so the idea that I could drive an hour and see all kinds of cool things is just—it sounds wonderful. It just sounds wonderful. So in the time it takes you to leave texas i bet would be you can be in a different country essentially oh, in, in a, a, yeah yes. you can go from london to scotland 
and come across 10 different accents and like five different ways of saying bread. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> it's so tiny. And the sort of diversity between each of the, there's, there's too much to say in this podcast, but the oh, sure, diversity sure. between the towns is, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, for sure. No, I can drive. If so, if I wanted to get to the coast mm -hmm. to, to see the ocean, I live in the middle of nowhere. Okay. But if I wanted to go see the ocean, it's about a nine hour trip by car. Oh my goodness. And I'm still in Texas. And uh yeah, yeah. So it's it's quite the experience. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm sure. Um but no I that love, I would love to visit one day. Definitely. Texas is like on my list of places to go to, but yeah. One of these uh, days. We have a little bit of everything from oceans to forests to, uh, to, to pine forests to mountains. And uh, I live up on a grassland prairie where you can, wow. uh, it's uh, pretty much completely flat. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> so you can see the horizon in every direction and it's uh, uh, the sunsets or something for sure. Yeah. But um, no, anyway, that was an aside. That's something I, I had on my <laughs> list to talk about. But that, uh, so if you get on, um, if you're listening and you get on, uh, Beth's Twitter or something else. Scroll down till you find just pictures of her trip. It looked like it was really wonderful. Thank you. And I've got a section on my blog actually where uh, under the blogs you can find road trip, and then that's got all of those pictures kind of together with Very little cool. descriptions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful, really. So I'll I'll link all of that. But uh, Beth, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. I can't believe how quickly that's gone by. <laughs> I know. It's been, what, 40, 45, 46 minutes? It, yeah. it goes fast. Yeah. I, I never have enough time on the show to talk about everything that I want to. So, uh, no. you know, we may have to speak again at some point. Definitely. And I can't right. wait to see the unveiling of your logo. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. So excited. Uh, yeah. But all right. Well, uh, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Definitely go uh, follow Beth all the places. Check out Franz with Benefits. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to say that. Laugh when I say that. But it's <laughs> such a good name. It, it is can. such a good name. <laughs> but uh, y'all are the best. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Franz with Benefits. I just can't. I can't stop saying it. It's so funny. I love it so much. It's, it's really clever. You know I like clever things, and you know I like a good pun. If you want to be Beth's frond, go check her out on social media, follow the blog, see all the other cool things she does. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, again, I think Beth is just a delightful human being and just a wealth of knowledge, and she's kind of done a little bit of everything, which is super cool. I really dig that in a person. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, again, it's been a great year. Um, this is the last kind of normal episode for the year. I'll have a couple of bonus things for you. We'll talk about Christmas trees actually on Thanksgiving Day. So if you're an American and you like to stand in line and fight old ladies for toasters um, on Black Friday, it gives you something to listen to, even though you should not be doing that because there is still a pandemic. I'm just... Just, just stay home. Just, just be, be chill. Wear a mask. Be cool about it. Uh, and then I'll have a few bonus fun things for you in December, and we'll pick back up with guests and all kinds of happy, happy, plenty fun time in January. Y'all are the best. Uh, I love you lots, and we'll talk very, very soon. Keep being really cool, plenty people.